And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the scintillating Lisa Wolf. In this hour, we'll present a 1949 classic radio drama episode of Mr. President starring Edward Arnold. But first, it's Name That Tune. Lisa Wolf Cullen will play short clips from popular songs and a Hollywood 360 listener contestant named Paul and I will try to name that tune. Is that how this game works? Uh, pretty much. Uh, these popular songs are all Rod Stewart songs, so these ah. were all big in the 70s. And we have our friend Paul on the phone from Woodstock, Hi, Illinois. Paul. Hey. Hey, guys. How Good are you? Good to hear ya? from you. I'm doing great. All right. Hopefully I'm, uh, hopefully I'm a hot on Rod, so I'm a hot Rod. <laughs> oh, Hank, what did you say? <laughs> uh, hopefully I'm a hot Rod. He's just, you know, a little slow on the buttons. So I'm he, slow. He needed just, a little extra I'm just time slow. there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, there's, listen, Paul, there's a lot of buttons over here, you know? There's at least, Lots of there's buttons. At least two or three buttons there. At least there. two. So, um, and I know how to push your buttons. There we go. Hang on oh, a second. He's got to hang we on. Go. There we go. Somehow the joke kind of falls when you have to hang on for it. But, okay. I listen, <laughs> I, you know, I mean... If this was a if this was not a live show, we could edit that and make it really tight, like boom, boom, boom. Right, but, but that's how you show. know that it is definitely live, and definitely we are definitely live. talking about Rod Stewart. Yes, and all of these songs I've just noticed were big in the 1970s. If that gives you any clue at all, I don't know. Wow. So um, I'm going to play a little. Remember the 70s? How great the 70s yes, were. Yes, I do. I mean, do you remember? Paul, I think how it's great the it best was? decade for music. They were for great. Sure. Oh man. I missed the Mary 70s. Mary Tyler Moore show was in the 70s. That's right. Remember, I'm with you I'm on Carl that. I'm Carlton, your doorman. I'm Carlton, your doorman. That's that was Jefferson. on Rhoda. That was Rhoda. Oh. Rhoda. Yeah. Yes, but Rhoda. it was also but on the- But Rhoda was a spinoff of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yes. I'm pretty sure. Yes. And then- yes. Yes. But I used to love- Right, because that was Rhoda oh, Morgenstern. Carlton, your doorman. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, see- those were the days, you know? Yeah, All right, I digress. My friend. There we go. Okay, so this first song, uh, 1978 Rod Stewart song, and as soon as you know the title, just shout it out. Okay? Do you think I'm sexy? Do you yes! think I'm sexy? Oh, so close. Carl, you got that one. This is from his album called Blondes Have More Fun. They don't. They don't have more fun. Oh, I think no, they do. No, blondes don't. Absolutely nope. they do. No, no, no. Yep. I, I, yeah, I are you a blonde? Talking. I was just asking the question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love this song. You relate to it? That's right. 
If you want my body and you think I'm sexy, come on, sugar, let me know. If you really need me, just reach out and touch me. Come on, tell me so. Well, I'm glad I picked a song that you feel so close to, Carl. I do. <laughs> Uh, Terrific. All right. I got one up on Paul here. Right. Well, I've got faith in Paul. This next song was released in 1971. Maggie May. Yes. What? Maggie May is absolutely right. Wow. His album, Every Picture Tells a Story, ranked 130 on the list of 500 greatest songs of all time from Rolling Stone. Maggie May. This guy has such a great voice. Who sings better, me or him? You always ask that. I'm going to leave that one up to Paul. What do you think, Paul? Uh, I, I have to go with Rod. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, right. at least okay. he tells the truth. That's all right. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We'll still love you. It's, a, it's close, though. It's, a, it's, it's, it's close. Not, it's not a runaway. No. No, if it was Dion, it would be a runaway. Oh, man. That was a good one. Paul, come on. That was good. That was good. All right. All right. Next song was released. Well, Paul is quick, man. uh, Rod Stewart version was released in 1977. I would have given you all of my heart. You're in my heart? No. I'll give you guys a clue. This was a big hit single for Cheryl Crow in 2003. Run Your Nails Down My Back? Yes, that's it. it, Run Your Nails Down My Back and Scratch. Here it is. That's the title, The First Cut is the Deepest. So, uh... Carl doesn't know the song so clearly it was a bad choice. It's a 67 song written by Cat Stevens. Um, huge recording for Rod Stewart in 77 and Cheryl Crow in 2003. Huh. Huh. I like that. Okay. All right. It's not my favorite Rod Stewart song. I didn't choose it because it was your favorite. <laughs> Maybe it's my favorite. Well. It's not, but it could have been. Oh. All right, so we All didn't right. get that one. We're we didn't get that t- one. We're tied up. Paul and, uh, That's true. Paul and Carl are tied All right. Nin- I speak about myself in the third person. Do you? Yeah. Does he? Sometimes. <laughs> 19... Paul and Carl are tied up. <laughs> okay. 1972. Call my name or something like that? Call something? Nope. Well, it's too late. That he it? already said it. You wear it well. Who said it? Nobody. Rod oh. Stewart said it. Oh, all right. So uh, nobody got that one. That's from his album, Never a Dull Moment. This song was uh, used for a cologne, too. It was a cologne commercial. You wear it well. I'm pretty that sure. That would make sense. Yeah. But I don't know. You should think about buying it. Cologne? Yeah. Oh, keep that in mind. Thanks. Very small studio. You should think about wearing wearing well, a little. Keep it in mind. Thanks, Carl. I'm just saying. I love studio. I'm just throwing, throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. It's yeah. a small studio. You mentioned that already. You know? Okay. We all good? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Uh, next song, 19. 19- what happened to Paul? Is he still there? Paul, are you there? 
I think we lost Paul. <gasps> Did he hang up? Maybe he I, got mad at you. No, he didn't get mad. I think we just lost him because because I think he would have known that one. Paul? No, he's not there. We lost him. All right. Maybe he'll call back. Hopefully he'll call back. All right. We lost him. Technical difficulties. All right. He's so here. Wait, uh, he's, I think he's here. All right. I got cut off. Sorry about oh, that. Yeah, no. no problem. I thought you got mad at Carl and No, up. he didn't get mad. Okay. Uh, next song, 1977. You're in my heart. You're in my heart. Jeez. That is absolutely right. Good job. Wow. See, we needed Paul. you, Paul. Written and recorded by Rod Stewart for his album Man. Footloose and Fancy Free. What is this called? This is called You're in My Heart. You're in my heart. You're in my soul. Maybe you guys can sing a little chorus together. You're in my heart. You're in my soul. There it is. I saw Rod Stewart in concert. I really must it's a great song. Here it is. All right. Well, we've got one more song. All it right. goes back one to more? Ni- one more. Let's All right, do so this, wait a minute Paul. now. Paul's got two, right? And I and I've got one. You're so the scorekeeper. I can only tie. All right. Ready, Paul? 1976. Ready. Let's go. Uh Tonight, tonight. Yes. Tonight, ah. tonight. Tonight, tonight. <laughs> ah. I love this song. Tonight, tonight. It's from his album, A Night on the Town. You know, when this song was released, it was very controversial. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't you hesitate. Here it is, guys. Tonight. 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 It's gonna be alright Cause I love you, Belle Baby Nobody gonna stop us now Oh yeah, this was very controversial Yes, it was It was, um, yeah, well, yet uh, It was a uh, massive commercial success either way So, well, you guys did really well Paul, you did a little bit better But you both you know, did really I'll well I'll bet you if Paul <laughs> didn't get caught off You would've got one or two more and he would have won. But you know what? The gods are in my <laughs> in my corner tonight. We tied, Paul. We tied well, because... we got two because two nights tonight. Tonight is the oh. night. Good one. It's going to be quick on the trigger there. Right. All right, I'm going to send you a four-CD set. Twilight Zone radio dramas. Way to go, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good night. When we come back, it's Mr. President. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. This is a really cool series, Lisa. Mr. President ran on ABC from 1947 until 1953. Each week, Edward Arnold starred in a dramatized incident in the life of one of the men who have held the office of President of the United States. But you didn't know which one it was. It gave you clues throughout the half hour. And so if you were any kind of a history buff, you could pick up, you know, glean something out of it, figure out who the president was. And if you could figure out before the end of the show, that was like the whole, you know, um, you know, it was like uh, bragging rights. You were able to guess. 
Um, this uh, I'm not going to tell you who he's playing on this one. He's one of the presidents. Right. Okay? Not that. It's not Biden. I'm just okay. telling you right now. Got I'll give you it. a hint. It's not Biden. All right. It's not Obama. It's not right. Clinton. Okay. Yeah. It's not George Bush. So not in the last, like, Yeah, because this is 1949 so. broadcast. Gotcha. So, all right. July 31st, 1949. See if you can guess who the president is on Mr. President. The very idea of the power and the right of the people to establish government presupposes the duty of every individual to obey the established government. Mr. President, starring Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's Edward Arnold and written by Gene Holloway. Mr. President at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who have lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. Before we bring you Edward Arnold as Mr. President, I want to point out that there are no more stirring stories in the world than the stories of Americans who have become the leaders of our country. Generation after generation of American men and women have found their greatest inspiration in the lives of the presidents of the United States. Their deeds are direction pointers for the American mind. People today are more interested than ever to know the intimate, interesting, and inspiring facts about the lives of their former chief executives. That's why Mr. President has rapidly caught the attention of people everywhere. For here is the program that presents human incidents in the careers of our presidents, woven into the rich tapestry that is the American heritage. And you, as the listener, enjoy the additional thrill of trying to identify the president in the story being told. And now, see if you can name the president upon whom this episode is based. Listen to this story and see if you can identify this general who was much pursued with office of the presidency. The war was over and the general was going home. He was tired and he was looking forward for a long rest on his own quiet, beautiful acres. The troops that followed him were tired too. Their tempers were short and their minds were suspicious. There were all sorts of dangerous undercurrents. There is something I must tell you, General. Yes, Colonel Nicola. There is dissension brewing in the ranks. The men feel that the states intended to disband them without ever paying them for the time they've served. I'm sure that no man who has risked his life for his country will find this country ungrateful, Colonel. Are you indeed, General? Well, I'm afraid the men in the ranks and the officers don't have your faith. Then perhaps they'll take my word. I think they will. In fact, General, I think the way the army feels about you, they'd set you up as king in this country if you'd let them. Colonel Nicola, if you have any regard for your country, concern for yourself or respect for me, forget that you ever said or even entertained a thought like that for a moment. I consider it the highest kind of compliment, sir. Colonel Nicola, our fathers came to this country to get away from kings, not to set them up. Give me, General. Believe me, I had no wish to offend you. I understand, Colonel. And I understand, too, the motives that brought you here. But what you ask is in such complete opposition to all my beliefs that it is very hard for me to listen civilly. I consider myself a good patriot too, General. You are. You are. But don't lose sight of the reasons why we fought this war. When you're as tired as we are, sometimes it's hard to remember. Uh, 
What are your plans for the future, sir? I am retiring completely from public life. Oh, surely not. I have given enough years, now. They said they needed me, and I was glad to come and lead the armies and do what I could. But now the war has ended, I'm going home. I haven't too many years left, and I think I've earned the right to live them as I will. I want peace, Colonel. Peace and silence and tranquility. And I know just where to go to get them. Good to have you home. No, I was afraid you'd change. But you're lovelier than ever. Darling. You know, I'm going to stay right here in the country with you all the rest of my life. This is the way a man should live, in peace and serenity beside the woman he loves. By the way, didn't you say there were a lot of presents for me? Oh, I should say so. Well, let's see them. Which one? All of them. Well, that will take quite a bit of walking. What do you mean? Well, there are hundreds of books from all over the world. Oh. Those are piled up in the library. Then there are apple trees from the state of Maryland, no. lime trees from New York, horse chestnut trees from Virginia. Virginia, all that. Oh, I'm just beginning. <laughs> You've been sent pine and fir trees from New England, rum from Jamaica, ah. pheasants and partridges from France, mm -hmm. and you'll never be able to guess what the king of Spain sent you. What? <laughs> he sent a keeper named Pedro Tellez, and in the charge of this keeper, he sent what he refers to as the most magnificent jackass of all Spain. <laughs> you mean the king came himself. Oh, shame <laughs> on you, no. <laughs> well, let's go and look at the animal. Oh, my dear, it's going to be so wonderful to sit around and be lazy and have nothing to do. I'm through with wars. For the rest of my life, I'm going to enjoy this country that I fought for. Dear, I've heard all sorts of rumors. Even here, one hears rumors, you know. What kind of rumors? That you might be going to run for public office. Well, not me. Not now. And not ever. Didn't you say, didn't you hear me say I had retired? Oh, yes, dear, I certainly heard you. Oh, did I tell you Alex and Governor Morris were coming for dinner? No, you did not. Why are they coming for dinner? Well, they sent word that they had some important matters to discuss with They're you. wasting their time. I know, dear. Come on, let's go look at the King of Spain before they come. It's not going to do them a bit of good. I'm not taking any further part in any public activities, and that's final. Alex, I have retired. There's no use talking to me about this. Talk to Congress. Congress must settle the problems of the country now. Congress? That's a waste of time. And no one is more aware of it than you, General. The men in the offices are meeting in secret right now. They want their pay, and they're determined to get it. Of course they should get it. They're entitled to it. If something isn't done, there are going to be insurrections in this country. After all, these men won the war, and they don't feel very good about being disregarded and ignored now that they've won it. They're going to get their money, but it takes time for Congress to work things out. You know that. And General, Alex and I are here representing a large group of your officers from the war. They ask that you keep your position as their leader so that some sort of political reorganization can be forced on the states. Are you suggesting that after fighting for this country, I now lead her own soldiers against her? The soldiers are part of this country, too. There wouldn't be any country if it weren't for them. They feel now that the country has betrayed them, and they wonder why you have deserted them. I haven't deserted them. You're their leader, their commander-in-chief. The only explanation they can think of is that delicacy carried to an extreme prevents your following their interests with sufficient warmth. After all, they did follow you into battle. I know that. 
I appreciate and love them for it. But don't they understand that they have fought for a government and now they must show a little faith in it? I have heard murmurs of revolution, monarchy, militarism. None of those things will accomplish anything. And force won't accomplish what they want now. Force is the only thing they know. And if you won't lead them, there are others who will. I have here a printed speech that was circulated among the officers today. It was written by Gates. He's saying that the officers should unite and demand their rights from Congress and the country. If you don't do something now, they may mean civil war. He's called a meeting for tomorrow. Civil war? Well, I think we can handle that, Alex. I'll write a statement which you can take back with you. Ordering the officers to meet on Saturday the 15th at noon. Good for you, sir. Under the chairmanship of Gates. What? Under the chairmanship of Gates? Of course. That will automatically cancel the meeting for tomorrow and give everybody a chance to calm down. Why should Gates be chairman of your meeting? Because if Gates is chairman, he will have to preside. And if he has to preside, he won't be able to talk or influence the officers. I'll have a talk with the officers. <laughs> Men, you have fought gallantly for a young country in which you had faith. Now I beg of you, have faith a little longer. This is not the time for rebellions and insurrections. We have too much to lose. Wait. Wait, and I promise you I will plead your cause with Congress. Now I beg of you to act in such a manner that posterity will say of you, had this day been wanting... The world would never have seen the last stage of perfection to which the human nature is capable of attaining. Men, I move we vote a unanimous vote of confidence in the general and in the Congress of the United States. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, that's the first portion of Mr. President. Have you figured out? Who the president is? Um, Carter. Uh, Carter. <laughs> Probably not. I think it's Carter. Uh, I, th- I think it could be Clinton. Maybe Nixon. <laughs> it could be in the 40s. Um, yeah. yeah. It could be Bush one. It could be either of them. Actually. Bush two. Right. We've got um, some good, good cho- choices. There. Um, well, it's 1949. So Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson. I don't know. We're going to no. have to wait. Um, all right. Well. Um, I'll bet you a lot of people have figured it out. I mean, there was some really, really obvious clues in the portion we just played. But more of Mr. President after this short break. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co 
co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. With a 65-year legacy of delivering the most insightful political commentary in America, National Review is the obvious choice for discerning conservatives who want to go beyond the headlines. From the latest news in Washington and the upcoming Republican primary race to the political cultural and economic trends impacting everyday Americans, their hard-hitting analysis is a must-add to your daily reading diet. We love National Review and are excited to have them as a partner because their writers and editors really do dive deeper into these stories than you'll find anywhere else. No talking heads, no clickbait, and none of the sensational coverage you see everywhere else. Hollywood 360 listeners can start reading today with a special 60% discount on any subscription option. You should try out their digital membership, NR Plus, which includes unlimited access to all their premium content, plus a world of membership perks like monthly calls with movement leaders and commenting privileges on the website. Just go to nationalreview.com slash Hollywood. That's nationalreview.com slash Hollywood. And use code Hollywood at checkout to save big. Um, we're listening to Mr. President. Good show. Edward Arnold. He was a, he was a pretty big movie star. And then uh, ABC said, hey, how'd you like to do like this show where you're a president every single week? And he was like, yeah, why not? I'll do that. Sounds like a cool Somebody job, wants to right? offer me <laughs> a bunch of money to play a president every week. I could do that. Right. Well, we'll you keep know. that in mind, as they in say. In fact, <laughs> if I was around back then, he, I probably would have got this gig. I'm sure you would have. Him, you know? Absolutely. Also in the cast, Betty Lou Gearson. She was on a zillion radio shows. Actually, a, a zillion and four. Zillion. And then there is um, Jean Holloway wrote this. She used to... She used to write a lot of scripts for radio. She did um, a lot of Boston Blackie episodes and a lot of, of the syndicated shows that Ziv put out. If you haven't guessed who this is yet, there'll be more clues. And then if you still haven't guessed, they tell you who it is. Well, absolutely. <laughs> then I'll come back and tell you who it is. Okay. When, once Make, they tell you, then you'll know. Right. July 31st, 1949. Let's get back to Mr. President. <laughs> What are you doing? Hmm? What do you mean, what am I doing? I'm planting a tree. Well, of course, I could see that. But you were attacking that ground so viciously, I thought maybe you were cutting someone up. I am. Who? Congress. I thought so. They've got to pay the army. And the state governors have got to unite. There's got to be a strong central government. There's got to be a strong permanent army. Be careful of that tree. They aren't very strong when they're that age, you know. No, well, it's none of my concern. I've told them what I think, and I've gotten the men to calm down and wait for their decision. And if they don't do something about it, it's, well, it's up to them. I'm finished with I the I know, dear. You're finished with public life. That's right. I'm going to settle down with my family and live in peace and quiet. 
Uh, just being the head of a family is the most peaceful, wonderful thing in the world. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that, dear. Because a few problems have come up. What problems? Let's walk back toward the house and I'll tell you. Uh, first of all, you're going to have to visit your mother. She isn't at all well. I'm oh, sorry. I'm afraid you will have to leave for Fredericksburg in the morning. Hmm? Your nephew is ill with gallstones again. Oh, my. Your two nephews that have been in school in Georgetown have run up some debts. And the head of the school is expelling them and wants to see you at once. Oh, my, oh, my. There are 300 unanswered letters on your desk from people who want money and advice. Your sister's baby's ill. Oh, where does a man go to find peace and quiet? I don't know, darling. I really don't. Sometimes I think it's a lost cause with you. Furthermore, I've got a toothache. Last Congress, anyway. Why, General. Everyone expects me to know the answers to everything, and sometimes I don't know the answers to anything. How would you like to be the leader of this whole country? The elected leader? Now, don't you start on me. Oh, I'm not starting anything. I just happened to hear some rumors, and I just wondered. I have retired. Yes, I noticed. That's why I wondered. <laughs> Alex, what brings you here at this hour of the night? Well, General, as you know, there's going to be a meeting in Philadelphia to decide what to do about the affairs that concern us all today. Each state is to send delegates. Yes, I'm aware of that. Uh, had you thought about going? Well, my state hasn't made any move to send me. And, Alex, I thought I had made it clear what my sentiments were about taking any further part in public activities. General, don't you care what happens to this country? Alex, you have no right to address me in a manner like that. It's a question a lot of men who have had faith in you are beginning to ask. Yes. Yes, I care what happens to this country. I cared enough to fight for her, which means that I cared enough to die. But I believe that others should come to the front now. The people want you to preside over the convention, General. You have become the government to them. The central authority, the one clearly defined thing in a very confused period. This peace that you have won for us is a confused, uneasy thing. We need your help and guidance. More than anything, we need the power that your presence will give us. Oh, I think you overestimate that. No, I don't, General. And this is your fight, too. Tell me, honestly, have you any faith in the present Congress? No. No, quite honestly, I do not. I've certainly gotten nowhere with them. It looks to me as though they are growing more and more helpless. If something isn't done and done quickly, we might as well never have fought the war. We need a leader, General. And you're the only one that everyone agrees can fill the position. All right, Alex. I'll preside at Philadelphia. Thank you, Mr. President. What did you say? I mean, uh, thank you, General. Now, Alex, I'm warning you. I have retired. I will preside at Philadelphia, but that is positively the last public act I'm going to become involved in. Yes, General, of course. And thank you on behalf of the nation. <laughs> My, it's exciting coming to Philadelphia with a retired general. Mm, we're just entering the city. Are we inside the city now? Yes, yes. Would you stop for a moment, please? Yes. Why did you stop the carriage? Listen. What are all those bells? The bells of every church in Philadelphia ring. Why? To welcome you. 
to the city. To welcome me? Yes, my dearest. Alex told me about it. It's Philadelphia's tribute to the man they consider the greatest American of his time. I shall remember and treasure this moment as long as I live. I only hope I can justify their insistence that I preside and be a worthy president. Of the convention? Yes, of course, of the convention. What did you think I was speaking of? Huh? Nothing, dear. It's only that I have heard rumors. Now, see here, I have retired. Yes, I know you have retired, dear. But there are rumors all the same. They don't mean a thing. All right, dear. They don't mean a thing. Have you guessed who the president was or when all this happened? It really did happen, you know. The general arrived in Philadelphia in May. The artillery officers stood at salute as he passed through the streets. On May the 25th, as soon as there was a quorum, the members unanimously elected the general president of the convention. And then the long, hot, sweltering days of heat and argument set in. From May to September, the general watched the painstaking theories argued and analyzed, polished and perfected and finally set down in neat, concise words. And at last... The words were all set down, and the document was ready. Resolved that the preceding document be laid before the United States in Congress assembled, and that it is the opinion of this convention that it should afterwards be submitted to a convention of delegates, chosen in each state by the people thereof, under the recommendation of its legislature for their assent and ratification. It was ready. The long months, while perspiration dripped from famous brows and historic hands had slapped at horseflies and mosquitoes, had borne fruit. There was organization, there was potential power, there was promise, there was law. And now the general could sign his name with the others and go home. And that's just what he did. Dear, what are you doing? Hmm? Yeah. I'm sleeping. What are you doing? I was looking for you. I couldn't imagine where you disappeared Well, to. I came down here to watch the servants scrape the carrots, and the next thing I knew, I was fast asleep. Oh, my, it's certainly a hot day. You know, I, I think maybe I'll go fishing tomorrow. Oh, you can't. I can't? Why not? The committee's coming. How do you know? A message just came. What are they coming for? Well, how would I know? Well, you usually hear rumors. Oh, well, as a matter of fact, I have heard a rumor. I thought so. The rumors are that they're going to make some sort of presentation. Oh, dear. Well, there goes my fishing trip. Well, never mind, love. You'll have plenty of time for fishing. Now that you've retired. The trouble is, you know I've retired, and I know I've retired, but the people don't seem to know it. Well, tomorrow's only one day. And I think it's very nice of people to come down here in this hot weather to give you a present. Well, we'll see what it is. General, on behalf of the Maryland Federalists, it is my pleasure to present you with this miniature ship, the good ship Federalist, which, although it is only six feet long 
is an exact duplicate of a full-size vessel. We are going to anchor it here in the river, where we hope it will be a symbol to you of the power and stability of the Federalist Party. Thank you, gentlemen, thank you. This is truly a handsome present, and I promise you I shall look at it from my windows, and it shall indeed be a symbol to me of the power and stability of the Federalist Party. terrible has happened. Don't stand there like that. Do something. Something terrible has happened. What's happened? What's happened? It's the storm. There was a stroke of lightning. The power and stability of the Federalist Party sunk in the river. <laughs> well, don't stand there laughing. Do something. Well, what can I do, my dear? If it sunk, it sunk. <laughs> oh, now, who on earth is that at this hour? <laughs> well, I only know one way to find out. Morris, come in, come in. My goodness, you're drenched to the skin. Come over here by the fire and get those wet things on. Uh, Whatever brings you out on a night like this. Isn't that a storm? Yes, the good ship Federal has just sank. It did? Oh, that's a shame. I'm truly sorry. It was a beautiful model. Well, Federalist Party certainly hasn't sunk. It's carrying the day every place in the country. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Sit down. I'll get you both something warm to drink. Thank you. General... I'm here in a completely non-official capacity, and I hope you will do me the courtesy of not mentioning my visit. Of course. You are to be visited next week by a delegation asking you to accept the presidential nomination. I see. For seven years I have repeatedly yes, said for that... seven years you have repeatedly refused to take any official position at the head of the nation except as a general of the armies. But, sir... The nation needs you desperately. There are many men in this country far more qualified for the office of president than I. That may be, sir. Whether that is true or not, there is no man who has both the qualifications and the popularity. If you are president, the army will be solidly behind you. I've been quite sincere, you know. I don't want to be president. I want to stay here and enjoy the time that remains to me. I left my wife. I fought for many long, hard years... I feel that I've given the best that I have to give to my country. You ask me now to step in to head the... to become the head of this nation at a most difficult hour in its history. I feel it needs a younger man. The people want you, General. And you seem to be the only one they will accept. If you refuse, I couldn't even begin to guess what might happen to this union. Oh, now, surely it isn't that serious. I'm afraid it is. Now, here's something to warm your bones. My dear... There's a delegation coming to offer me the presidency. Of course. Didn't you know it? No, I didn't know it. I have retired. You can't retire as long as you're needed. Well, thank you for coming to warn me, anyhow. I didn't come to warn you. I came to urge you to accept. Now, I'll think it over. And try to reach a decision before the committee arrives. I was afraid if I didn't come like this, you'd refuse immediately. I would have. And I still probably will. Please understand. I love this country. I love the land. I love the fruit of the land. I love the seasons. I said to my men over and over, the liberty you're fighting for and the liberty you win will live through all eternity. 
I said if we kindle the fires of freedom now, they will blaze as a symbol to mankind for centuries. I said, this is America. Die for it if you must and live for it all the rest of your lives if you are spared. We won the victory. We won the liberty. But, my dear, winning it wasn't enough. They have to be shown what to do with it. There are so many to show them. There are so many fine young statesmen who would make brilliant presidents. But they have faith in you. They have chosen you. You led them to victory. They believe you can lead them out of this confusion now. You want me to accept, don't you? Yes. I think they are right. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. May God guide me and show me what to do. General, it is my pleasure to inform you that you've been elected to the office of President of the United States by the unanimous choice of the electors. It's time to start, my dear. Yes, I know. I've been walking over the grounds, taking a last look. Well, it's only for four years. You can retire again in four years. I'm going to. And that time, no one is going to get me away from here again. Take a last look, my dear. A last beautiful look. A last look at peace and quiet and serenity. I have. I'm quite looking forward to the journey, though. You can appreciate peace and serenity much more if you don't have it all the time. Here, yeah, let me help you into the carriage, my dear. Thank you, Mr. President. Oh, I heard a rumor that you'll be expected to serve at least two terms. You and your rumors. Now, see here, after my first term, I'm going to retire. I know. But my rumors usually do come true, though. Don't they, Mr. President? Yes, they usually do. So I might as well make up my mind now to the fact that I won't get home to stay for eight years. Oh, Madam President, will I ever get to retire? Will I ever get to retire? Well, you've probably figured out by now who the president was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and you'll have the answer in just a moment. Place your hand on the Bible and repeat after me, I do solemnly swear... I do solemnly swear... Or affirm... Or affirm... That I will support the Constitution of the United States... That I will support the Constitution of the United States. So help me God. Long live George Washington, the President of the United States! Be with us again next week, won't you, for another exciting story that happened in Washington a few years ago to Mr. President. Goodbye.
Edward Arnold appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of Any Number Can Play, starring Clark Gable, Alexis Smith, Wendell Corey, and Audrey Tata. Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings. It was produced and directed by Dick Woolen. Today's story was based on incidents in the life of President George Washington. Be sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting and factual story of Mr. President. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. There you have uh, Mr. President, July 31st, 1949, starring Edward Arnold as George, I have wooden teeth, Washington. So a bit before Biden and Obama, just like just a few years earlier than than you thought, right? Before, yeah. All right, time for this month in music history, and we are going back to 1980 with this great performer, Billy Joel. I crashed your party Saturday. I said I'm sorry. Sunday came and trashed me out again. I was only having fun. Wasn't hurting What's the title? anyone. And we all enjoyed the weekend for change. I was stranded in the combat zone. I walked to breakfast style alone. He rode my motorcycle in the rain. It's called uh, <laughs> Only Having Fun or something. No, not even close. Sorry. But you got the Billy Joel part, so that's pretty good. proves that I'm Here we go. You may be right. And that's the title of the song, You May Be Right. Crazy. That's what you may be crazy. You may not be right. On that. Lunatic, I'm looking four, at four, four, four. No, I'm uh, looking Billy, at. No, you're not. Billy Joel from his album Glass Houses. The song reached number Don't seven. Don't throw stones in a glass house. That's right. I'll remember I that. Know, but you may be right. All right, Billy Joel, one of my favorites. The best. All right, thanks, Lisa. More of Hollywood 360 in just a moment. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. In our next hour, it's a police episode of The Lineup, starring Bill Johnstone from 1951. And then we're going to do something different, right, Lisa? Oh, that's right. We're doing a segment called Songs That Remind Me of You. Uh, uh-huh. So we're going to play this together. I've got uh, some songs that I think remind me of you, Carl. And I know you've come up with some songs that you believe remind you of me. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that and what about the song uh, makes us feel that way. Okay. It's in our next hour. Stick around for that. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond, I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.